So Acts 1, 1-11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and, and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yee-haw! After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Well, good day, everyone, again. Uh, if you missed it, my name is Scott. Really glad to be with you. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Prack, and I'm just going to uh, walk through those verses with us for the next few minutes. There's been a lot of talk about plans recently. Uh, governments are coming up with all sorts of plans as we get out of this COVID crisis. Have you heard them? Especially, I guess, if you live in New South Wales and Victoria, um, the governments, uh, they're coming up with these plans, these steps, how to, how to get out, how people can have more freedoms. And it, when you hear about that, it makes me think, how good is it to live in South Australia, to be here and uh, not have to worry so much about uh, uh, having lockdowns? But indeed... <laughs> Uh, our family, though, is, is really barracking for success in the, in the eastern states because earlier this year, before there was uh, the Delta variant of COVID, everything seemed under control. And my wife, Pip, her family all decided, well, they're going to come down here to Adelaide for Christmas. This will be the first time in like eight or nine years they've all been together. Uh, and then COVID hit, the Delta thing hit again. Uh, Pip's got a brother in Sydney, some parents in regional New South Wales, and another brother in Canberra. Will they make it over here for Christmas? Who knows at this stage? Who knows? I'm sure many of you are in a similar position or have been in a similar position throughout the last year or so. The government has a plan which says that the borders should be open by Christmas, but will they? Who knows? That's the thing about our plans. They can get easily frustrated. They can fall through, can't they? This even happens, maybe it especially happens for government plans. But has this ever happened in your life? You've had plans for the future and then for whatever reason it just hasn't worked out? Did you know Jesus has plans for this world? He's not just kind of up there somewhere watching from a distance. Jesus is intimately involved in the world still. He's got plans for the world. 
Not like the government has plans. Jesus' plans aren't just hoping for a best-case scenario. This is what we'd love to do. This is what we hope to do, so please vote us back into power, please. Jesus' plans are solid plans because he can make it happen. So what are they? What are Jesus' plans for the world then? That's what we're going to dig into today. We're about to start a four, uh, four weeks going through the book of Acts. Acts tells us the story of what happened straight after Jesus died and went back to heaven. It tells us the story of the early church. We're going to spend four weeks not looking through every part of Acts, but four important moments in Acts. Over the next three weeks, we'll see three major threats against the church and what happened. But today we see Jesus' plan for his church. Not just for his church, though. This is his plan also for the whole world. Today I really want to just do two things. The first is to set the scene, to get us into this new book of Acts. And the second, and we'll spend most of the time here, and the second thing I want to do, our big focus is going to be on verses 6 to 8, where we see what Jesus' plans really are. That's where we're going, so let's, let's get started then. The first five verses really set the scene for the whole book of Acts. It gives us the important background that we need. So it starts in verse 1. Look at verse 1 with me. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and teach. Uh, Acts was written by a guy called Luke. Uh, Luke's a doctor and he was also involved in a lot of missionary work, especially uh, with a guy called Paul. A lot of missionary work not long after Jesus has, had died. and They were going all over the place telling people about Jesus. And notice that this is Luke's second book. He talks about his, his former book or his first book, which is what we know as Luke or the Gospel of Luke. That is, when we read through Acts, we're reading a sequel. In his first book, uh, Luke wrote all about what Jesus began to do and teach. But the second book is all about what Jesus continues to do and teach. Now, when Epi read it before, you would have noticed in chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus is taken back up into heaven. And yet, Acts is still about what Jesus is doing, even though he's not seen anymore. His work isn't done yet. There's more to do. And in a moment, we're going to see how Jesus does that, even without being here. But right at the start here in Acts, we see it. Acts is all about what Jesus is still doing in the world. And if you keep reading, Luke goes on setting the scene in verse 3. After his suffering, that is, after Jesus died on the cross, he uh, presented himself to them, speaking of the apostles. So after Jesus dies on the cross, he speaks to his apostles and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke, Luke tells us he's picking up things after Jesus has died, but he hasn't just died, he's also risen from the dead. And notice what he did. He goes to his apostles and he gives them many convincing proofs that he's alive. Now, the apostles, these weren't men known for their deep and abiding faith. Time and again, when they were with Jesus, Jesus kept asking them things like, where's your faith? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you believe in me? These are not the kind of guys who are quick to believe just anything. And so Jesus gives them many 
convincing proofs. He wants them to be certain he's alive. And this happens over a period of, of 40 days. Right? That's like more than half of the school term. This is not just one kind of mass group hallucination thing going on. Jesus showed them time and time again he really is alive. So just let me take a um, quick side note if I can. Perhaps you're here today and, and, and perhaps you're not really convinced about all this Jesus stuff. That's you. I just want to say, welcome. Really glad you're with church, at church with us. You're most welcome to be here. And did you notice that the disciples are kind of like you? Uh, that is, uh, uh, they weren't fools who'd believe anything. They needed many convincing proofs. And if this is true, if Jesus did give them these many convincing proofs, can I just ask them, isn't, it, isn't that worth you having another... Another look into Jesus, yourself? Perhaps there is more to this. Perhaps there is some convincing arguments. Christian faith is not our leap into the unknown. People follow Jesus because they're convinced he really did die. That really changed their position with God. And then Jesus really did come back from the dead as well. Is it worth you just having another look into Jesus? You grab me later if that's you. I'd be keen to hear where you're at and, and, and keep the conversation going. But that's, that's that little aside over for now. Uh, back into it. Um, one final thing to notice in the, in the background and setting the scene for Acts, there's two hot topics of conversation happening. Two hot topics. Jesus is saying, Jesus is talking about at the end of verse 3, he's talking about the kingdom of God. At the end of verse 5, he's talking about the coming of this Holy Spirit. And both of those things, both of those things are really important in verses 6 and 8, which is where we're going to spend most of our time today. So, so let's do that now. The, the scene is set, right? Jesus has died and risen. He spent 40, 40 days proving he really is alive. He's been talking about the Spirit, this Holy Spirit, and his king, God's kingdom. And now we get to the high point in chapter 1. This is where everything so far has been leading up to. Here we see Jesus' plan for the world. And it starts with a question from the apostles. You see it in verse 6. They ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, to us reading in 2021, this seems like a bit of a strange question. What are they talking about? What's going on here? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But to an Israelite back then, this was exactly the question to ask. Jesus had been talking about God's kingdom. And as good Israelites, these apostles, they've been waiting for God's kingdom to come. They've been waiting for this time when uh, God's people, Israel, the nation, when they wouldn't be ruled by some foreign power like, like, like the Romans, when, when, when God would be their ruler again. And the apostles here, they reckon Jesus might be the one to make this happen for them. And so they ask Jesus, is it now? Are you going to do it? So Jesus tells them in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Uh, notice here, Jesus isn't berating them for asking a silly question. He answers their question, even if the answer isn't what they'd expected. They ask about the timing, when is the kingdom going to be restored? And Jesus said, that's not the thing you need to know. You don't need to know about the time. Have you ever had one of those moments in your own life? where you've got a question for God. God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? 
ever notice, often we don't get answers from God, do we? And sometimes the reason is just this simple. There are sometimes things we just don't need to know. That might not be the most comforting answer to hear. We want to know things, don't we? But no doubt it was disappointing for the apostles back then too. The thing is, in true form, Jesus redirects them. And this is what he often does to us as well. Jesus redirects them to what is the really important thing that they do need to know. You see it in verse 8. Check it out. Jesus goes on and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I really love breakfast, right? Most important meal of the day, big bowl of cereal. And as a kid, one of the cereals I always wanted mum to get was Nutri-Grain. Uh, it tasted great, probably because it had a lot of sugar in it, uh, which is probably why mum didn't want us to eat it very often. But I love Nutri-Grain. It tasted great. But also, do you remember what it, their marketing strategy was? What they used to call it? Iron Man food, yes. So as a little kid, I, I, I thought, this is excellent. I, I, I want to I eat what the Iron Man eat because... Look at what they do. And maybe if I eat their food, I could. No, I mean, I was never going to be an Iron Man, let's be honest. But there is that subtle message behind it, isn't there? Uh, on your own, you're not going to get there. But, but this, Nutrigrain, this is going to help take you to the next level. You might not be an Iron Man, but this will, this will give you the fuel to go faster, to go further. It'll give you that extra bit of power that you need in life to succeed. And it's not just kids' breakfast cereals that do this. So you grow up and then you see ads on TV with Ricky Ponting and he's trying to sell you these supplements, little pills that you can take that'll ease your muscle pain, that'll make your, your bones stronger, that'll help you live life more fully. Because on your own, you're just not enough. You need some help. You need something to give you power. And these little multivitamins will do that. Now, Jesus makes the same promise here. Not about breakfast cereal or, or, or supplements. But he says, the Holy Spirit is coming. And he will give you power. Not power to be an iron man or not power to stay active during midlife. It's power to be Jesus' witnesses. Did you see it again? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Have you ever been to a courtroom before? I have once. Um, it's not a terribly nice place to be. There's a real tense feeling in the air. Uh, I was there to support a friend who was being a witness um, but before my friend was needed, before that case was up, there was another case before the court. It was about a, a, a guy. He was a homeowner. He lived on this street. And on that street, there was another building being built, another house being built. And apparently, uh, from what I could gather, the tradies would get there a little bit early and they'd be a bit noisy. And this homeowner had, given the, had confronted them once or twice. Um, and then I, the... the, the a witness came into the witness box and told the story of what happened one morning where this particular homeowner, seemingly at, at, at the end of his tether, came outside with a nail gun, walked over 
to where the tradies had parked all their utes and just in their tyres and let all their tyres down. He, uh, the witness stepped down, the homeowner admitted it, he showed contrition, ended up paying a fine, I think he got a good behaviour bond or something like that. But that's what a witness does, isn't it? They tell what they saw, like this person who told what they saw with the, with the guy coming out with a nail gun, giving the cars all flats. The witnesses speak about their experience. And Jesus says to his followers here in Acts, that's you guys. That's you now. Remember earlier in Acts, Jesus had given them, the apostles, uh, many convincing Proofs that he was alive. Now it's on that same group of people to go and be witnesses, to be Jesus' witnesses, to tell people that Jesus is alive, that he is the king in God's kingdom. And that's what they needed power for. These guys might not have been quick to believe just anything, but they were quick to do one thing, and that's get frightened. Uh, think about it for a moment. What, what did the apostles do? What did they do when Jesus got arrested? They ran, right? They were out of there. They didn't want a bar of it. They took off and went for the hills. Uh, only one of them, actually, Peter, he found his way back to Jesus' trial later that night. Um, but someone recognized him. Someone accused him of being with Jesus. And do you remember what Peter did? He denied it. I don't know this guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Never met him before. And then after Jesus was killed, what did, what did the group of them do? They, they locked themselves. They barricaded themselves into a small room because they were scared that the same thing that happened to Jesus might happen to them too. Now, I'm not trying to bag these guys out here because I reckon if I was there, I'd be doing the same thing as they did. But here's the point. How do you get a bunch of guys like that? How do you get them to be your witnesses? How are they ever going to go out into the same city where just a couple of weeks ago they were afraid of even walking outside. How do you get them to be your witnesses? The answer is, of course, they needed power. And that's exactly what Jesus gives them. He sends the Holy Spirit to give them power. And now Jesus' work can go on. Jesus continues to be at work in the world, not because he's physically here anymore. Now he's at work by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the witness of these apostles. And that is Jesus' plan for the whole world. You see where it goes next? And you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, the city they're in. In Samaria, in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. These guys have got power to be Jesus' witnesses and Jesus kind of, he lays out the road map for them. Here's where you start, the city where you are, Jerusalem. And then go to the whole kind of region, that whole kind of area around Jerusalem, Judea. And then into the next area to the north, next region, Samaria as well. But don't stop there, go to the ends of the earth. And in fact, as you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what you see happen. They start being witnesses in Jerusalem and they go out into the wider area of Judea. And then to the neighbouring area of Samaria. And finally, they, they start going everywhere. And by the end of the book of Acts, we see people being witnesses as far away as Rome. But of course, Rome is not the ends of the earth, is it? Rome is still a long way from a place like Adelaide in Australia. 
That is, this group of 11 apostles, they didn't make it that far. Of course, they couldn't. You couldn't have expected them to. Because this plan is not just for them. We who follow Jesus have inherited the same plan that God, that Jesus gave to them all those years ago. And you kind of see this idea when we read on. Um, Jesus ascends to heaven and his disciples are there looking up after him. And suddenly then these two big kind of angelic beings are there beside them. And they say to the apostles, look, Jesus has gone to heaven, but he will come back. He will come back. That is, there's a time in history, uh, there's a time coming when, when, when history, when the world as we know it, when it will end. It will cease to be what we know it to be. There's an end coming. But until then, Jesus has, this plan for the, has a plan for this world. And it hasn't changed since the day he spoke to the apostles back then. And this is Jesus' plan. His followers will be empowered by his spirit so they can be witnesses to Jesus across the whole world. Let me go there again. Jesus' followers will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus across the whole of the world. So, are you a follower of Jesus? If so, then this is for you. Jesus calls you to be his witness in his world. Now, sometimes if you're, if you're a bit like me, you hear this and you can think, well, you know, just other people are better at this than me. I'm kind of happy just to leave it to them. And it's true, actually. Some of us are more gifted in this area than others. But it doesn't mean that we can just leave it to them to be the witnesses. Because Jesus has, has called all of us to do that. See, you can't hear this today and walk away thinking, Look, I'm on board with Jesus, but this evangelism thing, this, this, this being on mission, this being a witness, that's just not for me. It is for you, actually. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says it is for you. Some of us do find this hard. Perhaps even most of us find this hard. We feel inadequate. We don't want to stuff things up. We just get that, that nervous feeling. And when we do, we actually we need to remember that Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit, not just to his apostles back then, but even to us now who follow Jesus. And, and that spirit, just like he gave the apostles the power to be witnesses, he gives us power to be witnesses today too. And that doesn't mean we always speak flawlessly or that we never get nervous. But it does mean that the Holy Spirit is with us and he can use us even when we feel inadequate. And it can use our words even when we feel like we're just stumbling over them time and again. So with that in mind then, we are called to be the witnesses of Jesus. With that in mind, over the next four weeks, as we spend some time in Acts, I just want to get really practical with us. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to suggest four different things. These are simple things, things that aren't too hard. I think that we can all do. Four things that each of us can do to help us be ready to be witnesses to Jesus. Here's the one for today. Know your own story. Know the story of how 
you became a follower of Jesus. Why you became a follower of Jesus? Know it so that you are ready to tell your story. The apostles that we've just read about in Acts here, they were Jesus' witnesses. Uh, That is, they heard him teach. They saw him live. They saw him die. He gave them many convincing proofs he was alive again. And so they just told people about what they'd seen. They, They were witnesses. You and me, we haven't seen Jesus in the same way. But we still can be witnesses. We can tell what Jesus did from what we read in the Bible, but but also we can tell how we ourselves have come to know about Jesus. We can we can tell of the experience of what Jesus has done in our lives. We can tell others the things that convinced us that he truly is who the Bible says he is. Have you ever seen a show or a movie? There's this thing, if there's a show or a movie where someone has to go to court and be a witness, right? It's something that happens in just about every show that you see. Uh, they've got to go to court and be a witness. But before they get there, the lawyers in the movie get them to sit down and practice. You've seen this kind of thing before? Um, they practice what they're going to say. So the lawyer gets up and asks them all the kind of questions that they might be asked when, when the real trial happens. And they do this so the witness can be ready so they won't get confused and be tripped up so that they can say really clearly exactly what happened. And this is not the lawyers trying to rig the process, or actually if you're watching some shows, it is about that. But, but, but in real life, this isn't what the lawyers are trying to do. That They just want their witness to be ready, to be prepared, because they want the witness to be heard. I reckon it's the same with us. Yes, the Holy Spirit can and will use our stuff-ups and our bumbling, but, but this is something that's really important, isn't it? Being witnesses for Jesus. It's worth, Jesus is worth us putting our best foot forward here. So why not be a prepared witness? Know your story and like practice. Practice telling your story. Practice telling your story to each other here. Maybe, maybe ask one another after today. So how was it that you first heard about Jesus? What's he done in your life? Why did you decide to follow him? Or maybe even why did you decide to keep following him? What convinced you? To help us do that, I want to show you a video now, though. This is a video of Luke. Luke's part of our church. He's here today. Um, And earlier this week, I asked Luke to share with us his story. And so I put a video together. Here he is. Here's Luke. So uh, I'm Luke. I'm happy to... It's a pleasure to share my story. Um, I'm going to go again. (laughs) You're all right. Hey, I'm Luke. Um, so I'm just going to share a bit of my story, which is uh, I was brought up in a Christian family, Christian household, attending church, never really feeling at home at church, feeling uh, like moving between different denominations, such as Brethren right through to Pentecostal, and really figuring out as early as I possibly could that I could make money on a Sunday and therefore get out of church. So at age 14, I started doing that in a kitchen and that, that process of working to get out of the Christian world is how I decided to spend the rest of my teens and most of my 20s actually. Um, and so I prided myself on achievements and, and that kind of thing in my 20s. And in 2016, I got a short film into a festival in France. I made the trip over to France to be at the festival. And after that, 
I backpacked Southeast Asia for two months. While there, I witnessed a profound expression of religion and, and not a tokenist religion like in Thailand or Vietnam, but, but uh, in, in Myanmar, a super committed religion and, and a fervent heart for Buddhism. And this got me thinking about a saying that I've heard that's been rattling around, which is there's a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart, which speaks to the way that people have been searching for a God since God created us and we turned away. And I went home with this rattling around in my head, um, but concurrently to that, I was also uh, leading a lot of different negative relationships with women and trying to find intimacy in ways that I could never hope to, to get. And I found myself growing more and more depraved and more and more depressed to the point where it manifested quite physically and my mum reached out to an old family friend who was also a church pastor and she said, could you check in on Luke? I'm really worried about him. And uh, he rocked up at my house and I was in my pajamas playing PlayStation and he tapped on the window and said, brother, put the kettle on, let's have a cuppa. And so we, we went and did that and I knew what was up and I, I just confessed everything that was weighing me down. And Craig asked if I was interested in becoming a Christian and at that point, I just, I just confessed. Um, and he said, do you qualify for Jesus? And I thought, what an odd question. Everyone qualifies for Jesus. Um, that's a given. And he said, no, are you at such a point in your life where you cannot imagine or foresee going, going ahead the way that you are? And I said, yes. And that's, that's why I became a Christian, as a way of saying, I have to stop what I'm doing. It's not leading me anywhere but destruction. There must be a better way. And after that, I started going to a Bible study that he ran for timid Christians in the, in the year afterwards. And I really was not keen on stepping into church. And so I went to this Bible study every week and eventually got pushed into Trinity City, um, which was amazing. Grace, for me, is summed up in that lyric of Amazing Grace. Uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I felt very much like a wretch and in need of it. Uh, there was no, I, I just kept on pedaling in that direction and it wasn't getting any better, it was just getting worse. Um, I once was lost, I was profoundly lost. Um, and now I'm found and I guess I'm found because I was forgiven and accepted and if I kept on barricading all that shame, I don't know how I could have dealt with it, I'd still be a, still be a mess today. Yeah, that's, that's my story. <laughs>
And the power is in the spirit as Luke, the, the power comes as the, from the spirit as we hear Luke and as Luke is a witness about Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? Let me ask you, how did you start following him? What, what convinced you? And, and when the chance comes, will you be ready to tell your story? Let me pray and ask God that he would make sure we are. Let's pray. Our loving God in heaven, we praise you for what you've done in the life of Luke. Thank you that at a time when he was uh, in great need, by your, by your spirit, in great power, someone came to be a witness of Jesus and you used that to bring Luke into your kingdom. We praise you, God. But we praise you because that's the work you've been doing ever since Jesus gave this commission to his apostles. You've been using ordinary Christians empowered by the Spirit so that others would hear about Jesus and believe as well. We praise you for that work, God. We praise you that it can use us to do this. So we wanted to pray that you would help us be ready to be witnesses. Father, help us know and be clear about our stories. Help us be ready to be uh, asked and to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that we have. We pray that as we chat after church today again, that you would help us just have those conversations and to, to bring out our stories. And we pray, God, that you would use us powerfully through your spirit to be your witnesses in Paraka and the north of Adelaide. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.